I'll try that again. Good morning. Good morning. That's better. That's much better. Uh, so as Tim was saying, we've just moved down here to the Fraser Valley, and uh, after being in Prince George forever, it seems like, and so one of the realities of that is that we have no church home yet, and so for the first time in our life together as a family, we're church shopping. And so some of you may have done that. Some of you maybe have never done that. It's a new thing for us. We don't like it uh, because there's no sense of here's our home yet. So we're still working that through. But what happens when you church shop is obviously you go from church to church to church. And having been been a pastor for a while, you notice different things and whatever. And so for what it's worth, I'm going to give you my observation of Central Heights. (laughs) You okay with that? Here it is. No. Every, it's, it's actually fascinating. Every church has its own personality, own characteristics. One of the things that we have noticed about here, we've been here twice as visitors and now here again our third time. This church has a tremendous sense of freedom in worship. I have no idea of the history of the church. I have no idea of your personal histories. I have no idea of a lot of things around here. But you need to know from someone coming in, there is a tremendous sense of freedom and authenticity and worship. So however you have gotten to this point, whatever you're working through, whatever your dreams and plans and visions are, know that God is alive here. Worship is authentic and real here. And that's something that you, you maybe you need to hear that. I don't know if you do or not, uh, but that is a tangible reality of this church. Uh, it's a powerful thing. So, uh, as I was saying, we've moved here uh, down to the Fraser Valley. I'm just going to take a, a couple seconds and show you three pictures to give you a bit of an insight into, into me, into our family, so there's some sense of, of who is this person talking and all this, how, how all this might work. Uh, here's the first picture that I'm going to put on there. And if you were to spend any amount of time with us at all in the summer, you would probably come across a picture like this. That is us in our boat at a lake in Prince George. Uh, those are my feet, actually, so whatever. You may not want to see my feet on a Sunday morning. Uh, but those are my feet, and often you would find our family at the lake, just relaxing in the boat. Typically, there'd be someone behind that water skiing or kneeboarding or tubing or whatever. We're kind of cruising there at that point. Uh, but our family loves the outdoors, loves water. Uh, that, that's very much a big part of our life. Now, in case you're wondering who our family is, there is our family. There's the four of us. That's me, obviously, in the corner. My wife, Jennifer. Uh, One thing to note about Jennifer is she's holding a cup of coffee in her hand. If you ever encounter Jennifer out in the wild somewhere outside of the house, she has a cup of coffee in her hand. If you see her this morning, you there's true enough, she's got a cup of coffee in her hand right there. And our youngest daughter, Ashley, who's here, and our oldest daughter, Emily. Uh, so that's, that is our family there, just to give you a bit of a perspective. Now, as I was saying, we left uh, Westwood and left Prince George after being there in 10 years, uh, for 10 years. Now, typically when you leave somewhere, uh, you know, there's there are a farewell party, maybe not a party, but whatever, a farewell thing, you know, sending you off and, and we're going to miss you. And the church did stuff like that. But what our staff did uh, was, was they had uh, kind of a, their own version of saying goodbye to me. And now typically in this context, if you've been in any kind of setting where you've been the one who's left, uh, you would expect there to be something like, oh, we're going to miss you, uh, you know, some sort of cake that says uh, we're praying for you or whatever, something like that to send you off. This is what my staff team did for me when we left. <laughs> thanks. Thanks a lot. Yeah. We hope you fail. You are dead to us now. So, if you ever find yourself in Prince George on a Sunday morning, go to Westwood Church. Uh, 
do something mean and disruptive. Do something to mess up the church somehow, please, because they deserve it. Anyway, so that's a little bit of our story. So what I want you to do now, just forget that for a minute, and in your minds, imagine this. Imagine that you have been away on a trip somewhere for about a month. Uh, maybe it's work-related. Maybe you've been backpacking through Europe. Maybe whatever it is, so it doesn't matter. But just imagine you've been, a, you've been gone from home for a month. And, uh, you know, you've been sleeping in different places. You've been eating different food. You've, so everything has been different. And you've been gone for a month, and now you're on your way home. You know, maybe there's a picture like this uh, where you're just... Uh, you see this pathway kind of coming down, and imagine that at the end of that picture, your house is there. And as you turn the corner and you realize, I'm going to be home soon, your mind starts to think, and you go, oh, I can't wait to whatever, to, to do something, to experience something, to whatever it is. Just have your mind go there for a minute. If you were gone for a month, finally you're coming back home. What is it that you can't wait to whatever. I'm going to give you about 30, 40 seconds. Talk to the people around you. Ask them that question. Tell them how you would answer that, and then I'll call you back together. All right, I have no idea if that's 30 seconds or not, but I'm going to call you back together. See, that was the dangerous thing that I did. I let you go. <laughs> All right, now I've got to call you back. Uh, so does anybody feel brave enough to shout out something that either you said or you heard someone say to you, man, if I got home after a month away, I can't wait to whatever. Shout it out loud so we can hear it. Sleep in my own bed. Okay, put up your hand. How many would say sleep in my own bed? Yeah, exactly. Okay, other than sleep in my own bed, what would you say? Yeah, be home. What else? Food? The accents, yes. Hear the accents again. See my own kids? Yeah, exactly. Who said Instagram? Or should I say, who has no life? Did I, did I say that? I shouldn't have said that out loud. I'm sorry. <laughs> But you can imagine whatever you said, right, and whatever you've heard, uh, there's something that we look forward to, something where we go, ah, I'm home. Believe it or not, when we read the text that we're going to look at this morning, 2 Corinthians 5, 11 to 12, there's a strong sense of, okay, what does ah, coming home look like when you factor Jesus into the mix? So to do that, uh, what I want you to do is if you have a Bible, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, uh, verses 11 to 12. That's what we're looking at this morning. You can grab a pew Bible, a Bible on your phone. It's going to be on the screen too. Um, but 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 11 to 12. And what I want to do this morning is just kind of work through that passage and notice some things that it says about, uh, well, actually, I'll tell you in a second where my, what my big picture is. But just so turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, uh, starting in verse 11. Here's how it starts. Therefore, 
Now, when I was in Bible college, I'm stopping right there. I one word in, right? And I'm already, I'm stopping. Uh, I had professors say, whenever you read the Bible and it says, therefore, you should ask what it's there for. And that is really good advice, actually, if you're trying to understand the Bible. When you're reading along and it does say, therefore, you should stop and say, so why, therefore, what does that mean? Because therefore is the connecting piece. Whatever has been said before, therefore, now it's whatever this is. So whatever is about to follow only makes sense in relation to what was ahead. So there's your free Bible reading tip for the day, right? Whenever you see something in the Bible where it says, therefore, ask what it's there for. So if we were to stop here and say, well, why does it say, therefore, and read the passage prior, which we're not going to right now, we would discover that that passage in there, Paul is talking about his, his longing for his eternal home, for his heavenly home, uh, for being home with the Lord, talks about finality. Everything in that passage ahead of, of what we're reading right now talks about uh, being home. In a sense, Paul's homesick. He's saying, yeah, I know I'm here, and, and this is great missional stuff that's happening, and I love the relationships and the challenge of mission and the gospel and the transformation, but man, my heart is really at home, and my home is actually in heaven. And it just, it trumps everything else. Everything else pales by comparison. I'm homesick. But because of the reality and because of the finality of heaven, because of that, this is why we do what we do. And then he launches into what we're going to look at this morning. So just keep that in the back of your head as we're going through here. This is, excuse me, this is Paul speaking this way uh, because of his deep longing and desire and, and passion about heaven as an eternal, real destination. So uh, to do that, five things I want to suggest uh, as we go through this passage, that if you or I would claim to be followers of Jesus, maybe we could even use these as kind of a Jesus followers manifesto. What does it mean to follow Jesus? As a follower of Jesus, these five things should be true about me. Paul says they're true about him, uh, and maybe they could be true about us. And there's five things. Now, if you're the kind of person who likes to follow along uh, by taking notes, on the back of the bulletin, that last page has five fill-in-the-blank lines. Uh, those blanks are going to co correspond with, with what's on the screen. So if you want to kind of track that way, uh, you can do that. If not, you can do, do whatever else you want. Uh, but these are the five, and let's, let's jump into the text. The first thing about following Jesus, Paul says, is it's not about me. It's not about me. Listen to what he says. What we are is known to God, and I hope it's also known to your conscience. In other words, Paul is kind of saying, okay, whoever, who, the we, by the way, is him, is Paul and a bunch of other uh, uh, Christian leaders. What we are, God, God really knows who we are, and I think you know who we really are. Like, people have different impressions of who we might be, but God knows, and I think you know who we really, who we really are. We're not commending ourselves to you again, but instead... We're giving you cause to boast about us. I think you can kind of put boast in quotes the way he's using it here. Boast about us so that you may be able to answer those who boast about outward appearance and not about what is in the heart. So basically Paul is saying here, there's other people running around here uh, who, who look good, who sound good, who do a great job of speaking and influencing people and, and you're kind of easy to boast about them. But if you're going to boast, quote, about us, boast about what's in our hearts. Don't boast about how effective we are, or this or that, or whatever. Boast about our hearts. And then there's this line. I love this line. For we are, if we are beside ourselves, like kind of, if you think we're crazy or whatever, well, you know, it's for God. If, you, if we're in our right minds, it's for you. But either way, it's not about me. So I think the first reality of being a sold-out, passionate, all-in follower of Jesus 
is just to tell ourselves, you know what? It's not about me. It is not about me. If anybody could say it was about me, you'd think someone like Paul could be that person. A whole pile of credentials, a whole massive reputation, uh, amazing, endless stories he could tell. That's not about me. So some of us here may need to remember that. I need to remember that once in a while, that no, you know what? It's not about me. So it's not about me is number one. Number two is this. I live for Jesus. I love this sentence, or this phrase here. For the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this. That one has died for all, meaning Jesus. Uh, therefore, all have died, referencing followers of Jesus. And he died for all, again, talking about Jesus, that those who live, those who have committed themselves to Jesus, might no longer live for themselves, but for him Sorry, but for him for who their sake died and was raised. So the question of, you know, what does it mean to, to live for Jesus? There's all kinds of ways to answer that. We could probably have endless conversations about that. Let me suggest one question that might help. The question is, what dominates my thinking? What dominates your thinking? Uh, here's a picture of, of me that some people in my family would say dominates my thinking. I'm the second guy from the end there in kind of that orange shirt. Some people in my family may argue that trail running dominates my thinking, that I can't wait to go on my next trail run. When I go shopping, I'm looking for running gear, not for anything else. When I, whatever, right? And I find myself, my mind often going towards to the last run that I did or the next run that I'm going to do or some clothes I, or gear I can get to run better or whatever, I often find myself uh, thinking about trail running. So in a sense, you could say, to a small degree, that dominates my thinking. But here's my real question. When you're doing your 30-minute commute to work every morning, where does your mind go? When you're standing in line at the grocery store and you're just kind of waiting as people slowly shuffle forward, what are you thinking about? At the end of the week, when you're kind of contemplating what you're going to do for the next couple days, what do you think about? What dominates your thinking? Where does your mind go? Who does your mind go to when there's nothing else pushing it any certain way? For a follower of Jesus, I would almost argue if our mind doesn't go towards Jesus a big percentage of the time, we might need to stop and look at ourselves and go, Am I really all in? Because if our thinking about Jesus is only triggered by external events, because, you know, it's 10.30 on a Sunday morning, or it's 7 o'clock on a Wednesday night, I have to go to Bible study. If the only time we think about Jesus is triggered by some other external event, we may need to think about how serious we are, how deep our relationship with Jesus is. Imagine the day, and you know you've had these experiences where you find your mind going almost automatically all the time to Jesus, to scriptures, to mission, to a transfer, to whatever. Following Jesus is not just about, it's not all about me. It's also, I live for Jesus. There's a third piece. I'm a new creation. Here's how Paul continues. From now on, therefore, you know, now he's looking forward saying, if that's true, you know, it's not about me. I live for Jesus. From now on, therefore, with, with regard... Sorry, from now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, meaning uh, we're not looking at people as just they were just simply human. We see the bigger picture. There are spiritual realities beyond what we can see. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we thought he was just human for a while. Uh, we regard him thus no longer. In other words, we know who Jesus is. Therefore, 
Now, I want to stop there for a second. If there are people here, some of you who are maybe new on the Christian journey, maybe you're 15, maybe you're 85, it doesn't matter what it is, you're new in this whole Christian journey, and you're going, man, I look at the Bible, there's so many pages, there are so many words. Where do I start? What should I highlight? What should I pay attention to? I want to suggest that what Paul says next is something that you should maybe underline, highlight on your phone, you know, bookmark it or tweet it or whatever it is. But this is a phrase that is powerfully transformative. This is one that we need to pay attention to. Therefore, Paul says, if anyone is in Christ, if anyone follows Jesus, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. If you follow Jesus, you are fundamentally a different person than what you were before. Morally, ethically, relationally, uh, in every possible way. Now, when I hear that, uh, if I'm cynical, I go, that's a great theory. Yeah, whatever. I know my life. I know my struggles. I bet I'm not the only one here who, who sees that and goes, a new creation. I wish. You don't know where my my mind goes. You don't know the darkness that lurks in here. You don't know what I've done. You don't know what I still continue to do. You don't even know what I'm contemplating to do next. Man, I wish I was a new... I, I would give anything to be a new creation. Let me point out what Paul says. He does not say, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he may become a new creation. He might be a new creation. He will feel like a new creation. No, Paul says, if you or I follow Jesus, we are a new creation. Whether you feel like it or not, uh, here's an invitation to, 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 to some of us who are working through that going, oh, I don't know if I am. I wish I was. I want to be. I want that experience. There's 40 days left in the year, 41, whatever it is, something like that from now till the end of the year. What if you were to take every morning and every night Spend a short bit of time with God in prayer and say, God, today, will you please give me a picture of what it looks like, what it looks like for me to be a new creation? If you were to pray that twice a day for the next 40 days and really mean that, God, show me what it means for me to be a new creation. What does that look like in my life? God will begin to reveal things to you that will start to change who you are. And your life will never be the same. So if you hear those words and you're going, great theory, it's not reality, there's an invitation to make it reality. Spend time with God. Ask God to change you, to become really effectively a new creation. It's not about me. I live for Jesus. I'm a new creation. And number four, I have been reconciled. All of this is from God. Paul says, which is meaning everything he just said, he's saying, this is from God. This isn't just my idea. I didn't kind of come up with this in some little self-help, you know, spiritual motivation thing. This is from God. All of this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses or their sins against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. What's reconciliation? Reconciliation is simply coming home. Come home to Jesus. That's what Paul is saying. doesn't matter how far you've gone, whether you've drifted away for a, a day, a month, 
your entire life. Actually, probably some of us don't drift away. We run away. Doesn't matter how far it was. Doesn't matter what it, where it is was that you went. All of that is irrelevant. All of that is irrelevant. Paul is saying, come home to Jesus. I don't care where you've been. I don't care what you've done. I don't care. Come home to Jesus. It's not about me. I live for Jesus. I'm a new creation. I've been reconciled. And then number five, I have a mission. Therefore, and there's a therefore, right? So we've got to ask what that's there for. Uh, if all of that reality of a transformed life based on the power and the reality of a risen, crucif- of a crucified, and risified, cru- crucified and risen Jesus, if that's true, then you and I are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. Do you get that? God is saying, I want to reach the world, to reconcile the world, and I'm doing it through you. How amazing is that? Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. So this morning, I invite you to Jesus. I invite you to new life. I invite you to reconciliation, to come home to Jesus. I invite you to mission. Maybe you are home at Jesus and you've been sitting on the couch at home and you need to get off the couch and get engaged in mission. I don't know where you're at. I invite you to do that. I invite you to do that today. The worship team is going to come up, and I want to pray for you and for, and for the church and just the amazing things that God is doing in and through you. But I want to invite you to respond to God this morning. If something has stirred and you're going, oh, I need to come home to Jesus, I do. And I need to. Then I'm going to invite you to stand um, to stand right now. Maybe you're going, I don't want to be the only person to stand. Well, you know what? It's not about you. (laughs) It's not about me. I'm going to invite you to stand, whether there's one person, 100 people, whatever, but if something has stirred in you and you're going, I need to come home to Jesus, it's time. I've been away for far too long. Then come home this morning. Let me pray, and as I pray, uh, if you need to respond to Jesus, please stand right now and let me pray for you. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you that you call us home. And not only do you call us home, you make a way for us to come home through Jesus. And for those who are standing, if any are standing, I have no idea, God, uh, and it doesn't matter, you know. Uh, For those who are standing who are saying, yes, I need to come home to you, Jesus, I ask that through your spirit you will just reach down and grab them and grab their hearts and welcome them home. Uh, transform them, cause them to become new creations, to have transformed lives based on the reality of a risen Savior named Jesus. God, so those who are standing, just infuse them with your spirit, transform them, set them free from mission, and move powerfully in them. I ask that in your name. Amen.